This is Rookies, a podcast looking at various subjects from a beginner's perspective. Some of the interviews in this series was recorded as early as January of 2022. Rookies is presented in collaboration with Wild Chips, a Swedish-produced dried venison, perfect in-between meals around the go, in the crag or on your adventure. Found in well-sorted supermarkets around Sweden or online at wildchips.com. Wild Chips, what's more sustainable than the wild nature. A few years back, I wanted to shift my focus onto something more constructive than I did at the time. I was very much working with music, film and art, things that is an ongoing thing and much about emotions. I found that hiking was the thing I needed. You go from point A to B and you're done. Not that easy, but hopefully you get the idea. Later on, I found climbing, something I keep close at heart today. And there were a few personalities that kept me climbing. I remember seeing our guest in this episode, Hazel Finley, on a real rock feature called Spice Girl. We will put some links in the show notes. And it blew me away. Her humble personality just got to me. And yet she's crushing it. Besides climbing, she's the founder of strongmindclimbing.com and she's also coaching outside of the climbing community. It's an honor to have her on the show. But yeah, so if you thought... Oh, you're frozen too, but I can hear you. (laughs) Are you going to edit it? Either way, we're... we're Uh, uh, Absolutely. This part we will edit out. (laughs) Promise you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rookies. This is the pod where we explore various things from, yes, a rookie's perspective. And we get some insight in our guests' life, experience, rookie mistakes, and so much more. Enjoy. I was worried and nervous like everybody else. And it certainly affects your psychology. It's very different. You just don't know when you start. I feel like you just get this like diversity of perspectives. Stay humble, stay curious. You're listening to Rookies. So we are starting off this episode with uh, me, Otto Blicker, and my co-host... Henrik Ålund. We're sitting here in the kitchen and... uh, you might hear a dog running around in the apartment. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably cut his claws uh, real soon. And this doesn't feel awkward at all. Um, speaking English, you and me back and forth as we are more native speaking. We are Swedish and we live in Stockholm and we don't speak English in every day. No, exactly. And lately we haven't traveled a lot either, so... You can't polish your English uh, that much, but I think it's going to get better and better. So, But when we do travel together, where do we usually go? And our interest of hiking and the mountains has led us both into climbing, which is today's subject. We, are have, we have the honor to have a very special guest in this episode. She is a well-renowned British climber. We're going to talk about fear on the wall and being comfortable with falling. And we're going to simply jump straight into this episode without further ado. Ladies and gentlemen, Hazel Finley. Hello. Hey. Hey, how are you? Good, yeah, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Zoom. Yes, perfectly. Now I have the sound over here as well. But you've been doing these podcasts over Zoom as well, haven't you? With the Curious Climber. Yeah. We're not so technical with like the audio and stuff, though. Like, we just do this. <laughs> I love the first episodes where you guys were like, okay, we're still trying to figure this thing out. Yeah. Uh, feels quite <laughs> honest. <laughs> Again, thank you for taking your time. Um, big time. Because this is a podcast that um, we... During the pandemic, me and a few friends went out. I've been climbing for years in the mountains in Sweden, uh, mostly on a like 
how do you call it, hobby kind of level to it. It's been yeah. more and more advanced stuff throughout the years. But then I have a few friends that are real, no pun intended, rookies. And then seeing it from their perspective, I really realized like, okay, we, sh- we should do something like an introduction to s- people that are on a super beginner's level in different kind of adventures yeah. before they go out on different uh, mm. endeavors. But then we need someone to explain what climbing is. And nice. I thought, <laughs> who other than Hazel Finley for this? Oh, nice uh, idea. So uh, would it be a series of podcasts uh, specifically for people getting started? Yeah, I think so. This is That's my main idea. Yeah. Um, you've been climbing almost your entire life. You've been starting out with trad climbing, which we will go into to explain to our listeners in a bit what it is. And you're the first British woman to climb a trad route at E9. Would that... Um, is that a representable way of explaining who you are or, or Hazel Finlay someone else today? No, I mean, that, that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could say I'm a coach as well. Like I coach people too. So you could say that too, maybe. But you started climbing at a pretty young age, didn't you? Yeah, I started climbing when I was like six, I'd say. I don't really know exactly though, because we'd always like go scrambling and things like that when we were kids. Um, but yeah, probably six when I like first tied into a rope. And do you have any memories from that very like first times climbing? I don't, you know, I don't remember like the first time because it, it never really felt like there was a first time because we would always just be out in the hills scrambling. And like when you're a kid, you don't know the difference between different types of climbing and stuff. So yeah, it's hard to, I remember when I did my first multi-pitch, like this big slab um, on this island of Lundy, which is in the Bristol Channel, um, which is like the West Coast of, the, of England. Um, that was really cool and like really scary. <laughs> At what <laughs> but, age were you then? I think I was probably maybe seven, eight, something oh. like that. Yeah. Okay. And my dad led the route and me and my brother followed and his friend just soloed next to us in his flip-flops. <laughs> so it was super easy, right? It's this giant slab. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we thought it was so cool. <laughs> but uh, some people who are listening to this episode might have listened to your very own podcast, The Curious Climber, or heard other episodes as well or seen shows like Real Rock, etc. Uh, your father was a climber too, right? Yes, yeah, he was. Is he, yeah. Is he still climbing? Oh, not really, no. <clears throat> he, um, he had some health problems and he stopped climbing, but he's still into having adventures and, and stuff like that. Yeah, he's really into it. But it, it seems like climbing was quite a natural part of your life from the very beginning. Was it common within your like in your friends in your community as well well so my parents divorced when I was six and my dad lived in Bristol and my mum lived in the north of England and so we'd only see my dad like every other weekend that kind of thing so within his community like he was mostly friends with climbers right so I was like immersed in the climbing community from a very young age you know like go to the pub and there'd just be climbers of all ages there. Um, and it was just this really like nice scene and community. But then where I went to school, no one climbed and my mum doesn't climb either. Right. So it's almost like I experienced both worlds, you know, like the normal world where people like did normal things and like all my friends at school would go shopping and that kind of thing. And then like my dad's world, which was like the climber world. Did that, did that affect you in any way, like trying to fit in in one world or the other world? Or? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it was hard maybe with my friends at school because I would be like, oh, I'm going climbing this weekend. And so I'd miss out on a lot of things. You know, I was maybe a little bit on the periphery of the friendship groups because I had this other life that they didn't understand anything about. Um, but I just found the climbing world so much more fun. Like I knew I just wanted to be part of that world. 
Um, and I just started making friendships from a really young age. And I think you grow up a lot quicker as well if you're in the climbing world, because, you know, when you hang out with climbers, they don't care what age you are. You know, you could be like 18 and go climbing with like a 50 year old and no one would care at all. But in normal society, 18 year olds are not friends with 50 year olds. So I feel like you just get this like diversity of perspectives and different ages. That's really cool. Was uh, you, you say that your friends didn't quite understand what you were doing? Were they looking at you in a? Was it weird weird to them that you were climbing, or was it just that they were not invested in um, what you were doing? They probably thought it was a bit weird, but like I don't know, climbing's just one of those things. If you're if you're not a climber, you think it's this really extreme thing. So people think it's cool. But when you're a kid, you also like shouldn't miss out on things as well. So yeah, it's just hard hard being in a friendship group where like you don't go to all the birthday parties or whatever, you know. <laughs> do you ever come to that place where you think like, okay, if I didn't do this, what would have happened then? Uh, not really. No, I, I, I've, I'm like one of those people that like has quite strong intuitions in life like I'm not like a big planner but I end up doing things that I want to do and that like make sense to me so yeah I don't have tons of regrets but sometimes like because I went to university as well and my friends at university weren't climbers either and sometimes I think like oh maybe I should have like partied a bit more or made more friends at uni you know because now like all my friends are climbers and sometimes I'm like wow I am just in this like bubble where I don't know that many people who aren't climbers anymore and maybe I would benefit from a different hanging out with different people um but yeah that's about it really <laughs> but it's weird though because in some senses I'm like less of a climber than other people like I, I don't like reading about climbing for example I don't like I don't buy climbing magazines. I don't look at, I mean, I look at the Instagram and follow what's happening in climbing, but, you know, I don't write, read climbing biographies, for example. That just bores me to death. Um, so I'm not, like, super interested in a lot. Like, I, I'm interested in a lot of things that aren't climbing. So I'm not, it's not just, like, my whole world is climbing and that's it. But what I like to do is go climbing. <laughs> <laughs> go figure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Hazel talks about the fact that she has been climbing through her entire life. Um, it's not a state secret. We are 30 plus, both of us. Yeah. We came into the climbing scene quite late, didn't we? Yeah, we were 30 plus when we started. So we kind of took the opposite road that Hazel did. <laughs> Uh, what's your take on that? Do you feel stressed out about uh, you went into climbing this late? Uh, I can say that I feel that I wish that I would start it earlier because it's so fun. So much fun. Um, but no, I don't feel stressed out. I feel that I can do this for a long time because I don't want to compete in it. So, But do you feel like... I mean, before recording this, you mentioned that in other sports you yeah. reach your peak somewhere around age 40 uh, do you feel like do you feel like you're I, you will reach your peak real soon or do you feel like you have a lot to still to gain I, I feel like in other sports if you compare to climbing when you get 35 plus you most likely quit the sport because you can't compete at that level when it comes to climbing, it feels like you can stay at high level for a longer time, maybe to 50 plus. Um, so I don't feel stressed out in that way, because I think that the strength in climbing can go on for longer. But when we talk about climbing, we also we have a lot of different forms of climbing, obviously. Yeah. Do you think that there are certain forms of climbing that you won't evolve in after a certain age or do you feel like you could still be a strong boulderer after age 50 or would you go uh, into a different scene then 
No, that's true. No, I think that maybe you can climb outside uh, on mountains with a rope for a longer time. But to compete in bouldering, that might be hard, actually. Yeah. And, and do you think... Because I'm... I had a really hard time learning to cope with my fear of heights on yeah. the wall. Uh, starting at this age. Do you think they would have been beneficial if that's the right word, uh, to start at a younger age to get over fear of heights and falling? I mean, as a rookie answer, I would say yes, I think. Because if you start earlier, maybe you can learn. Uh, now when you're older, you already got that kind of fear set into your mind much stronger. So I think so. But at the same time, I think you've, you've conquered your fear a lot like <laughs> past this year. So, but... Maybe Hazel has the answer to that. <laughs> that was a good segue into our interview. Yeah. <laughs> good one. Yeah, so I guess I've always been interested in psychology. Um, and I've always been interested in the kind of, like, this, our psychology in climbing. But not, like, specifically climbing, but just, I guess, like, naturally stressful situations and situations where you kind of need to perform under pressure or you need to be able to perform when you're scared like I've always just been interested in that and I think that's why I like climbing so much because climbing is such an uncomfortable sport psychologically like you know and from right from when you very first start it feels uncomfortable to be up on a wall, you know, even on a top rope or something, right? It's just, it just feels uncomfortable to be high on a wall. It's like something innate in us that doesn't want to be there. And how we manage that and the extent to which we can manage that is kind of what makes us good at climbing or not. Um, so I've always been interested in that. And I actually, when I was at university, I tried to make some money coaching some people. <laughs> um, but like, I just didn't have the knowledge. It was like, I knew how to do it, but I didn't really know how to teach it. Right. It's like one, it's one thing like being good at something and then it's another thing teaching it. So I had to like go away and learn a lot about psychology. Um, but basically like for most of my twenties, I was kind of just interested in my own climbing, but then I got a shoulder injury and I had to have an operation and I thought, well, what am I going to do with this time off? So that's when I like really started studying and I became a coach and et cetera, et cetera. So um, that was in 2015. And then, yeah, I've been coaching ever since. Yeah. Has it just been around the interest for psychology or was it developed throughout uh, being climbing? Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was definitely like inspired, I suppose, by how I felt as a climber, I would say. But, you know, I did philosophy at university and I've always kind of been like a bit philosophical and like philosophy of mind is like what I'm really interested in. And so like from an academic perspective, I think I just naturally was interested in some of these ideas. Um, but then, yeah, I kind of, um, you know, through climbing as well, it was kind of like a lived experience thing too, not just like a intellectual interest. Do you still have to remind yourself with the psychological aspect of climbing or do you feel all comfortable being up on the wall today? No, I still get comfortable all the time. Yeah. And I think that for me, like the coaching isn't about like eradicating fear completely. It's about learning how to manage your fears in the moment, but also how to get the challenge level right so that you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but not like panicking, right? And that's how we like expand as climbers is, you know, we we do things that, um, and that's how we expand physically as well, right? It's like, if even if even if something as basic as like weightlifting, you start with the light weights and you slowly work up to the heavy weights, right? And it's the same with our psychology. We don't start with the most stressful situations. We start with situations that are a little bit uncomfortable, um, but we can still manage it. And then we do those situations enough to the point where we feel comfortable with them, and then we we build up from there. So. It's, it's, it sounds really basic, but most people do not have the skills to navigate that. And especially climbers, like they spend their whole lives like 
or some climbers do, either like under or over challenging themselves to the point where they like ingrain fear or they just don't grow because they're like so much in their comfort zones. So um, a lot of my coaching is helping people navigate all of that so that they can, um, you know, feel scared sometimes because that's what's so cool about climbing, right? Like if we got rid of all the fear completely, like it would be boring, um, <laughs> you know. But you're, but you're coaching there. You're not only coaching climbers, are you? Uh, yeah, I do sometimes coach other people. Like uh, I'm coaching a musician at the moment and actually like someone in business um, who is a climber, but then like I just ended up coaching um, him around some of his business stuff as well. Because I'm just like a trained life coach. So, you know, I can kind of coach anyone doing anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I predominantly work with climbers. But that's a good segue going into the basics and the fundamentals of climbing. You say like lifting weights, we don't start with the most heavy ones. We start with the more light ones. And where should I start? I have just went to this climbing gym, or as I know, you prefer to climb outdoors more. Um, where do I start? Do I start with bouldering? Should I start with top rope climbing? Uh, What's your suggestion and, and what is it? Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of hard to answer that, honestly, because the way we work out whether something's the right challenge level for us is through self-awareness of our own stress response, right? So if you go to the climbing gym and you climb and, and you're like, oh, Hazel told me to start with top roping and you get on the top rope wall and halfway up you start having a panic attack, that wasn't the right challenge level for you, right? Whether I said it was... Uh, the right thing to do or not so really yeah I mean yeah going to climbing gyms are kind of the more comfortable spaces top rope climbing bouldering are probably more comfortable than like outdoors or on lead um and then yeah just going in there like listening to your own body and seeing you know what's comfortable for you what feels a little bit exciting but not too scary and then like yeah like building up from there but if we if we were gonna jump back that there a little bit, uh, describing top rope climbing, that's that's where we have a fixed rope on the top of the wall, or it could be a sort of an auto belay where also the rope is fixed to some kind of equipment. And bouldering, we being on a wall with those mattresses underneath, and the third one being lead climbing. Could you describe that for our beginners? I, I think they get what uh, bouldering with a mattress is and yeah. So lead climbing is when you, your partner and your rope are all at the bottom of the wall and you go up and you climb up and then you clip the rope into points on the wall that are often already there. So like in a climbing gym, there, there'll be a bolt in the wall with what we call a quick drawer on it, which is just like two metal rings that you clip the rope into. And then you kind of, every now and again, you'll clip these metal rings that we call quick drawers. And what's scarier about lead climbing is that if you fall, you basically fall the distance back to your next quick drawer plus that again, because obviously the rope kind of like, um, you know, you fall the length of the rope that's out. So it's, it's kind of, yeah. it's hard to explain, but easier if you can see it. I guess you can just YouTube lead climbing or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can. But obviously you describing lead climbing like this, that's not where you begin. If it's the very first time you put on your No, it's definitely shoes. not where you begin because it takes time to learn how to clip the rope in. But also, like, you need to learn how to fall, which is something that lots of people don't know how to do. <laughs> um, and you also want to, like, trust your body enough to not fall in the wrong places. So even in an indoor climbing wall, there's places where you probably wouldn't want to fall, which is generally at the second bolt. And so, yeah, it's just not it's not somewhere nice. where you would start. You also like from a psychological perspective, you might freak yourself out, have a shit time and never want to go climbing ever again, which is what some people do. Even with the auto belays, actually, I've seen people freak out at the top of them. And I would recommend with the auto belays, like going up a couple of meters, mm. letting go and just trying yeah. it like 
like incrementally going higher and testing it out because putting your faith in those things to begin with is scary. It, it is, absolutely. And <laughs> talking about falling, uh, I know that there are many professional climbers that still, after many years, struggle with the mental aspect of falling. And I think I've heard you talking about like working on feeling comfortable falling. Is that something that you should, from a very early on, start being comfortable with? Yeah, I think that we should, you know, fall, falling is a part of climbing in bouldering and even top rope climbing, it's part of climbing, right? And it can still feel uncomfortable on a top rope. So I think it's something that we should practice right from the start. And I think the reason why we don't is that in the past, traditionally in climbing, it was like, oh, the leader never falls. You know, the idea was you didn't fall off. And the equipment that we used to have, we used to have like terrible ropes and very uncomfortable harnesses and that kind of thing. So I think we just like... Yeah still in this mindset of like it's bad to fall falling is what you do when you do something wrong whereas it's not the case at all because if you want to push yourself as a climber it that means you've got to go to the point of failure which means that you know a lot of the time you are going to be falling off and falling is a physical skill where if you don't know how to do it you could injure yourself and also, you just want to be comfortable with it psychologically, right? Otherwise, you won't be able to go to your limit. So I think it's something we should practice right from but the start. How do you <laughs> practice that then? If you're, you've been climbing for a few months and now you feel like, okay, I've listened to this podcast. Hazel has told me that we need to fall, all of us. Um, what should I begin with? Well, I think... Yeah, it's going to vary between people. But like with bouldering, you know, you can start by practicing jumping off at different heights of the bouldering wall but jumping off is different from falling so or when you yeah. kind of feel like you've mastered jumping off from the different heights of the bouldering wall then you can practice falling so you'll just kind of get onto the wall start off low down look at a hold that you're going to go to and just like reach for it and then fall as if you, you know you would if you had just missed the hold right then yeah. like you can start doing practicing falling on top rope um so you can like again like pretend to go for a hold and then let go and at first you can do it with like a very tight rope on top rope and then you can like slowly add a little bit more slack <laughs> and then the same with lead um and this is very basic like there's a lot more to it than this but this is the, yeah. the general idea is you want to incrementally um build up to taking bigger falls and are you one of those when bouldering? Are you one of those who climb down or jump down, uh, even if it's a really high wall? Uh, if I've finished the boulder problem, I'll generally climb down some of the way and then jump down just to save my back because, like, I'm getting Thank old. You. Thank you. You're the <laughs> no, but you you were literally one of the first people that are on the same page there. Because I've been trying to tell so many climbers say, in Stockholm that why why are you jumping? From up there if you stop doing that you could probably climb for another five ten years yeah yeah seriously and they're like yeah but it's just way quicker to jump down i'm like yeah i, I understand but it's probably still. good for your the opposite muscle groups as well to do some down climbing um you know like because like you're lowering you're just using different different art muscles so i think it's probably better for you to do that for sure yeah exactly thank <laughs> you now i have the, the pros telling that too <laughs> Uh, but you you are mostly into trad climbing, and in Britain you have a certain way of climbing which is a bit different from the rest of the world, right? I've heard you talking about going to the states climbing; they have a different perspective on climbing, while the Brits have a certain way of looking. Yeah, at. yeah. I mean, it's not like totally different, but basically with trad climbing the bolts aren't in the wall so sport climbing like the bolts are in the wall and then trad climbing you have to put in your own protection and in most places in the world if you can't put in your own protection so usually you put in little pieces of metal that you wedge into cracks or you use these things called cams where you kind of like pull a trigger to make them smaller put it in a crack and then it expands um 
Yep. And this is how you kind of protect yourself as you climb on a tried climb. Now, in other places in the world, if there isn't protection, like there's a bit of the wall where there are no cracks, they'll usually put a bolt in. And so then you get these hybrid routes, which are like some trads, some bolts. In the UK, we have like uh, different rules at some crags, I suppose, where some of these crags have no bolts. So even the climbs which don't have natural protection or not much of it, we just have these huge what we call runouts, which is just space where you don't have any protection, um, which means these some of these routes can be quite mm -hmm. dangerous, which means you might want to practice them first and then do them or just be really good and not fall. So it's almost like you need to have a soloist mentality on some of these routes where you don't fall at the, at the places where there's not so much protection. So it's just a much bolder style of climbing, basically, than a lot of other places. And you mentioned soloing climbing there, not to be confused with free soloing. Soloing is a different thing. Well, no, when I said soloing there, I meant free, uh, I meant free soloing. Uh, but I'm, okay. I meant like you have the mindset of a free soloer because yeah. it, even though you're on a rope, if your last piece of protection was four meters below you and you're only seven meters up the route, you're going to hit the ground right if we've got a rope or not. And that's what the position you could be in on some of these British routes. So in your mind, you're climbing like a free soloist and a free soloist is someone who climbs without any ropes at all. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Have you been doing any free soloing? Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like most climbers who, you know, get to the sort of level that I'm at, um, especially if they're a trad climber, will do some free soloing. It's just like we don't do it like Alex Honnold does it, right? We just do it on really easy climbs. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like, I feel like all of the kind of media around free soloing makes it yeah. something that it's not really. Um, Meeting new people. Is that what people referring to all the time when you say I'm a climber? Oh, you do those free soloing things. Is that what people think then? Yeah, yeah. Or they say, oh, you're a climber. Have you seen the film Free Solo? <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, yeah I've seen it. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of it, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... And they, and they they don't remember the name. That's what's so funny. They're like, oh, let me think, let me think. It was this guy. He's got brown hair. He's climbing in that place. Yeah. And you just like free solo. And they're like, I don't, I don't remember what it's called. And you're like, it's free solo. But but let, let's keep not mentioning his name. That guy was on one of your episodes of The Curious Climber recently. Um, his name is Alex. Um, he's a pretty accomplished climber too. But he, he mentioned one thing that I thought was really funny in The Curious Climber, that he just recently succeeded a full front lever. Mm. Do you yeah. have any things that you have accomplished just recently with within climbing that you were like, oh my God, I didn't do this. I couldn't do this before, which we would expect that you could. Well, I mean, I did a front AA boulder problem last year and um, that was my first front AA boulder problem. Which people are like astonished at because I feel like half the kids in the gym these days climb Font AA, <laughs> which they do. And that's also a thing for a newcomer. That's a, that's a certain level or a certain grade of climbing. Mm -hmm. and But it's a pretty tough level, right? Uh, Font AA, yeah. I mean, it is tough, yeah. But lots of people can do it now. Um, I don't even know like how to... It's hard because you just don't know how many climbers there are in the world and you don't know how many of them have climbed Font AA. But a lot of my friends have climbed Font AA. <laughs> and they don't and have you confuse, don't have to be a professional climber to climb Font AA. <laughs> and to confuse people even more, there is different levels if you're in Europe or if you're in the US or there's even what is it? Three three different way of measuring levels, right? Or is it more? Oh, there's more than that. As in different grading. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's like, well, so you've got different grades for different types of climbing. So you've got bouldering well. grades, yeah. sport climbing grades, trad climbing grades. Um, yep. For for example, if we took lead climbing, you have the French system. There's the British system, which we only use for trad climbing. If we use grades for sport climbing, we use the French system. But then there's like the German grading system, Australian, American. Um, there's like, so I think there's some Eastern Euro one. 
um yeah there's just like a bunch of different ones <laughs> like yeah i'm sure that each country probably has its own ones but maybe they stop using them because they just did. the french one is the probably the most common or american we've already talked about climbing a little bit and the mental aspect of it when you do you feel like you will ever come to a point where you feel like okay i'm done climbing and you just focus so. on the mental part no no i mean obviously there'll be a point where i'm just too old to pull myself up a wall you know so that's probably when i'll be done but you know i think i'll climb until i get to that point right and you know in our local climbing wall there's 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 climbers in there who are like 70 right and they're still hauling themselves up the wall so i feel like i'll probably be doing unless i get like a really bad injury or something i'll probably do it for a while we cross our fingers that won't happen yeah. uh, but we talked about being comfortable on the wall and like the fear of falling do you feel like that's that's a mental thing that i can work on even though i'm not on the climbing gym can i get mentally prepared for falling if i'm outdoors doing something else or in my everyday life yeah i mean i think you can build general resilience and like skills around managing stress so you know like for example you could do some breathing exercises to bring down your stress levels but i still don't think you can really get comfortable with falling unless you do it um yeah there's things you can do to help but you still you still need to do it you have to practice it because it's also a skill and if you're not comfortable with the skill then you can't be comfortable with the thing it's like saying oh i'm going to get comfortable at driving a car you know i find driving stressful um you're not going to become comfortable with it if you just don't do it right you still have to actually practice the thing and become competent at it before you can find it comfortable but going on a climb that could be um maybe not dangerous but being doing a climb that is very uh, okay let's say a high risk climb how do you prepare for that in advance let's say it's on site yeah well i guess you know if it's could be dangerous and it's on site i guess you know i just might want to make sure that i feel on form that day and i'd also want to check in with my motivations for why i i want to do the route you know so like thinking about my mindset am i doing this for the right reasons because i think if you're doing it for the right reasons and your motivation is strong you're more likely to be present whereas if you go into it like with weird motivations then you're probably going to be distracted Have you ever been motivated by the wrong reasons doing a climb? Oh, this could be good for my exposure or my brand, my name, and then realizing up on the wall that okay, this was a bad decision. Um, well, kind of, but it's you. So what happens in climbing is sometimes you'll do a climb, and then someone will want you to film to film you do it again. So my motivations for doing the climb initially were like really strong, good reasons. But then when we film it, we're only there for the film, right? So that's when I've really experienced this feeling of like when I'm there for other people. And it certainly affects your psychology. Like you feel way worse. <laughs> But you have even done climbs that in the other way around, you feel like, oh, this could probably have been filmed. That would have been a good thing, haven't you? With Magic Line or Didn't you some... do yeah, yeah, with Magic Line. Yeah. Google it, all newcomers. <laughs> you know, I I knew my motivations were really strong to do that route, so just having someone around to film it would have been cool, probably. Um, and uh, but yeah, in some ways, it's kind of nice that it wasn't as well because it just feels like my experience, you know, and not because I think sometimes as well when when people when you have something filmed of you then you tend to remember the film and not your own memory of it either so now i can mm -hmm. like protect my own memory of it too so hazel talks about the fact that magic line wasn't filmed and we tend to film literally everything we do don't we yeah but we are rookies so uh 
Yeah, we, we filmed from the beginning because we thought it was fun. And why have we kept doing that? I think because we wanted to see our own evolution or how to say. And how to say? <laughs> <laughs> Looking back at the things that we have filmed, how do you feel... Um, how do you feel looking back at things? I have to say like a really cliche thing that when, when we started and we saw the people around us climb and we was like, damn, that's really hard. You, you, that's not possible. But now a year after, well, I, I can say that I climb those stuff. And I think that if you really believe in it and if you go for it, nothing is impossible. So, yeah. So, um, we're talking about filming your accomplishments and one of the greatest accomplishments an athlete can do is to compete in the Olympics. Yeah. And just last year in the Olympics in 2021, well, the 2020 Olympics that took place in 2021, uh, we saw climbing for the very first time. Yeah. It was a special one. It yeah. was... Um, it was cool. It was cool to watch, but still, it wasn't it a bit weird? It, it, the, the climbing community had various takes on it. It was awesome that it was in the Olympics, but they had made it in a way that everyone had to do everything. It was like have a runner in, in the Olympics to run every type of, uh, how do you say, length of, of running, like 100 meters and 5,000 meters. The climbers had to do everything, and I think that was like the the minus of the Olympics. But interesting. Let's hear what Hazel has to say about it. Yeah, well, there was a lot of complaints about the fact that the competitors had to do lead, bouldering, and speed. Um, and speed is something that most climbers are not really interested in. It's kind of this yeah. weird thing that only competition climbers do, and even even out of competition climbers, most people aren't interested in it. So speed climbing is when you are connected to an autobelay and there's a fixed route that everyone do the same route at the shortest amount of time. Yeah. yeah. And it's weird because non-climbers think that climbing is about how fast you can do it. Because I guess a lot of other sports are about how fast you can do it. Like running wouldn't make sense if it wasn't about how fast you could do it right <laughs> of um, course not but that and that but that's what I love about climbing is that it's difficult without the element of speed you know it's like how high you can get on something that's absolutely super challenging for you makes it so much more interesting to me than just doing the same movement but quicker um I think that's how a lot of competitors feel and that's why they don't really like the speed um, it's also just like having those different events means you've got to be this like all round athlete that like Olympians don't really want to do. Right. Like it, it's as, yeah. it's like asking someone to do the like sprint, the 400 meters and like the hurdles or the uh, the pole vault or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just like it's yeah, it's just weird having people do like a combined thing like that. Should they have chosen one style of climbing or just split it up into three different styles then? I mean, they, they could, it would be better to just, to even just have bouldering and lead, or they could have the three different events as separate. Um, in some ways, it's nice having the bouldering and the lead, I think, together, but I know that a lot of athletes probably wouldn't, would prefer to have them separate. Do you think they should be ice climbing? Uh, in the Winter Olympics then? I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know a lot about that, honestly. I think with ice climbing, it'll probably just be weird though because I bet it will be on fake ice. It will be like all the fake snow that they have. Yeah. So I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> but isn't that, wouldn't that be comparable to then bouldering? I mean, it's still kind of fake rocks, Yeah, but I guess like bouldering indoors is like a really strong sport in itself like millions of people do that worldwide whereas like climbing ice climbing on fake bits of wall is not really like its own sport um it's what people just tra no. do to train outdoor ice climbing and i don't even know how many facilities there are that you can even do that so it's like i think they are any sorry maybe they are 
I don't think there are any, or maybe there are. Yeah, I don't know. Would be cool I've if there's one. I've seen these places with like polystyrene walls, but yeah. <laughs> that's not going to be the same, right? But I've also obviously I've not. seen also put crags where they drilled holes in the rock specifically for what you call dry tooling, which is like ice climbing without the ice. <laughs> um, weird, weird, weird things. But but. It- Obviously, climbing has been more and more commercialized and more and more people are getting into it. And that has an impact in an environmental perspective as well. Uh, going up in the Swedish mountains, you tend to see a whole lot of rubbish during the summer because people think, well, I'll just leave it here. Someone else will take care of it. Have you, over the years, made some changes to your lifestyle or... How do you look at that? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult being a professional climber because you spend so much time outdoors and you really love the natural world and you want to respect it and all of that kind of thing. But um, you also inevitably end up flying a lot. So my carbon footprint isn't that great. I mean, the, the things I've done is like I really try to not fly on short trips anymore Um, you know, I used to like do things when I had less money, like fly to a talk for mm. like two days and fly back kind of thing. And like, I just don't do that sort of thing anymore. I, it's like if I'm going to fly somewhere to do a speaking event or something, I'll stay somewhere for the month. You know, I'll really make sure I'm like making the most of my carbon air miles. Uh, also do a lot of offsetting. I know people hate offsetting, but I still think it's better than not doing it. Um, give to a bunch of wildlife charities and rewilding charities and things like that um, and then just try to look after the places that I go to so like never leave anything just leave it where you fa- how you found it try to stay on the path especially in like fragile landscapes which the UK you don't need to worry about it because it's just like the grass grows back wherever you go <laughs> but um like if you're in the desert for example you really have to worry about where you're stepping things like that um Yeah, well, places like the desert, it's like the the vegetation's really fragile. So if you just kind of like walk yeah. everywhere, it like it kills all the vegetation, and then the sand like blows up everywhere and stuff. So mm. in the states, they're always like stay on the trail. Um, so yeah, just things that like that. Like really, kind of a meta level uh, information there. Like, don't walk on that little bit of grass there because that might mess everything up. Like the butterfly butterfly <laughs> yeah. kind of effect to it. But uh, we're about to round this up, but I wonder, as this pod is called uh, Rookies, as um, we obviously learn throughout the years uh, with whatever we do, but have you just recently done, prepare for a big pun here, a rookie mistake that you feel like, well, I knew this when I was 10 years old, why did I even bother doing this? Yeah, I have. I'm the sort of person who does stuff like that all the time. I'm just trying to think of a of a big one. Um, well, I mean, I left my climbing shoes at home the other day. <laughs> That's a to good the way crag, to start. Looked in my bag and I was like, oh, I don't have my climbing shoes. And my boyfriend's the only person on the insurance for the car. So he had to run down the trail, get in the car, drive back to the apartment, <laughs> get the shoes but felt bad that's a that's a quite um... yeah i mean i can't think of anything recent actually um i bet I, i bet i have i bet my boyfriend would be able to think of one but like i've started up climbs like not tied into the rope for example i get to the first bolt and i'm like go to clip the rope and i'm like oh i'm just not tied into the rope <laughs> um yeah if if people would want to learn more about you and feel like This is the person that I really want to learn more from. You have your online courses, right? Yeah, so I, I've just released one online course in fear management for climbers. And you can be a beginner and do this course for sure. Um, you're just going to be confined to the things you know how to do. So, for example, if, if you have fear in top rope or bouldering, but you don't know how to lead, then you just ignore the leading parts of the course. Um And then, yeah, there's there's information on my website, which is hazel, hazel-findlay.com. And then my Instagram, which is hazel underscore Findlay. Perfect. Um, what's up for you next? It's 2022. We're getting out of the pandemic, hopefully. Uh, 
what what adventures lays ahead? Yes, I'm in Spain at the moment, and this is my first flight in two years. So um, I, I feel like my carbon footprint has <laughs> reduced a little bit and enough to maybe do some more trips this year. So this year I'm going to try to travel and kind of make up for the two years of not traveling and go on some adventures and like, yeah, see, see some friends overseas and, and yeah, have, have some fun after two years of mostly just being at home. Literally climbing on the wall. <laughs> at home um, <laughs> Hazel uh, big thank you for joining this episode of uh, Rookies thanks for having me it's been fun so ladies and gentlemen that was Hazel Finley in this episode of Rookies now I would just like to say that as a rookie I would love to climb with Hazel she feels like a, a person that won't think about the competitive side more like the learning apart. What I take with me from this episode is to be more comfortable on the wall and and to see the difference between feelings and facts. You're up on the wall and you feel fear of falling. Be aware of the feeling. Don't try to push it aside. You should rather try to control it, maybe. We, uh, again, thank you, Hazel, for joining the Rookies podcast. And as you... And thank you, Otto Blücher, for this awesome job. And thank you, Henke, for uh, joining me in our kitchen. (laughs) For For everyone of you who has listened to this episode, don't forget that there are more episodes on adventuring and things that might scare you in your everyday life. Um, should we do the whole like and subscribe thing that people do on YouTube? I don't think no, so. That's if, too if, yeah, it's too cringy. If you like this episode, please feel free to listen to the other episodes. Follow us wherever you are listening. And uh, thank you. Stay curious, stay humble, stay rookies.